Hello and welcome to the Missing Peas podcast. This is a place where we discuss making peace with our mind, body and soul, usually over a cup of tea. So I encourage you to pop your kettle on and join me with a brew. Thank you for listening. Hello everybody. I am recording this quite late actually. I've had all day, all weekend really to think about what I wanted to talk about and um, I guess nothing mega strong came through. Ideas came through and then I talked myself out of them or thought they weren't really full enough or whatever and then all today I've just thought, you know what, I think I'm just going to do one of the ones where I press record and see what happens. Um and I'm actually only doing that now at like eight o'clock at night. So I've obviously kind of subconsciously put it off or consciously put it off um, because, yeah, I do kind of get fear sometimes that perhaps I just won't share quite the right thing or explain it very well, which is one of the reasons why I do this. And that's that's just kind of a, a feeling that I have in life is that if I feel uncomfortable about something, if I've got a fear about something, if yeah, I avoid doing something, then I realize now that that is my way through. That's my way to to really kind of, I guess, be at peace with myself by pushing through that uncomfortable, those feelings, um, those ideas about a particular situation. And then that's where you then can kind of find peace with it and develop and evolve and stuff. So one example I can give of recently is in my job, I've been um, challenged, I guess, in a way to speak more publicly and not even massively in a big way, but just in front of a, you know, a few people. The other day was a group of maybe about 20. And I do have a bit of a fear of speaking in front of people and have avoided it all my life and as much as possible. And I still do. <laughs> and I think it all stems well, all goes back to when, um, I talked about this before, so sorry if you've heard this story before, but it's big for me really. But I was in a school play when I was maybe, I don't know when it was, it was towards the end of primary school, so it must be like nine or 10. And I'd chosen to be in it, I wanted to be in it. And I remember being nervous about that. And we had to audition by um, singing, because we had a like a solo song, basically. That was my role, really. I was a maid. <laughs> um, and so I was singing this song, I know all the words to it still, well, some of the words anyways, but I won't, um, I won't delight you with those quite yet, maybe one day. And so we had to sing by um, singing into a wall and the teacher was on the other side of the room. And if we were kind of loud enough and I guess sounded okay enough, then we would get a part. And so I got a part and I got to choose between the maid and the angel. And I knew from this play that I just did over and over again, really. So um, I chose the maid, which was more of a, like a fun one. You got to wear like a glittery wig. I got to put on my like, um, my, my slippers that were, I think like dog slippers or something you know the ones that you would kind of like put your foot in like a little a little boat a foot boat and um I was enjoying it you know and it came to the dress rehearsal and this was in front of the whole school and I don't know at which point exactly this happened but I'm there singing on stage whatever probably the end of it and one of the teachers who by the way was just such a bully she was you know really quite a horrible teacher um scarred me for life and called me beetroot Bex in front of everybody or beetroot becker or something like that because i'd gone red and you know i didn't even know i'd gone red i didn't even really know what that 
I guess what that was really, I guess like a bit of embarrassment. I, I don't know. But the whole school heard it. And I don't even remember the reaction of the school. I just know that everybody heard it and I was humiliated. And ever since then, I've really struggled with speaking publicly because I'm very aware of going red and feel embarrassed about that. And I can shake a little bit as well and stutter a bit. But actually, in my job recently, I've had situations in which I've kind of had to do that. And when I actually look back at other times in my life when you've had to do it, you know, like in school, you have to do a presentation and you worry about it for days and days. I realize that as you get into it, just like anything, as you get into it, it's not too bad. It's just getting through what it feels like beforehand and then the start of it quite often. Um, And so I've been challenging that part of myself. And I realized that actually I don't really mind speaking in front of a group of people. Not when I kind of get into it. I'm, I'm okay, especially if it's a topic that I feel comfortable with. And so, yeah, that's, I guess, what I'm really focusing on is that, yeah, is there a fear there? Am I avoiding doing something? Does something make me feel uncomfortable? Okay, let's go towards it. Maybe not all at once, but just when I'm ready, you know, like, um, and I just think that's where you kind of grow and you develop and yeah, like I said, evolve really. And so what I'm actually thinking that I also want to share here is a, is a couple of different things, really. Some experiences that I've had this week and well, actually yesterday mainly, um, because I I was reflecting on this and realized that I've actually started to put into action something that I've been working on for a long time and still, you know, don't always kind of um, succeed on what I'm trying to do. But yesterday was one of those days. And so let me just start by explaining the day. So my plan yesterday was to go to a Freegal swap shop uh, in Shap, which is not like 25 minutes away from me. And a Freegal swap shop is uh, where you go along, you just take whatever you want to take to give away for free. And then you can take whatever you want for free. And in my head, having never been to one, I was expecting kind of a sedate affair. I thought maybe people aren't really interested in this because, you know, it's a bit, um, what is it? It's a bit, I guess I'm going for like the kind of eco-friendly side of it. And I love the kind of giving, receiving type thing. And I'm like, "Mm, there's maybe not that much of an audience for it in this area. (laughs) Oh my God, I was so wrong. Oh my God. Honestly, that situation was akin to the videos you see of like Black Friday sales and the doors open at like whatever time, 6am in the morning in America. Those videos you see where people are like stampeding over each other to go and grab stuff off the shelves. It was just like that. I'm not even exaggerating. <laughs> okay, I'm exaggerating a tiny bit, but not massively. I went in and I took a box in and I went sort of about 45 minutes after it started, last about two hours. And I thought that probably be all right because then, you know, there'll be enough stuff generated by then on the on the tables or whatever. Uh, thinking it would just be you know really small and it's absolutely jam-packed honestly so busy I'm kind of like getting through the crowds with my boxes but people are looking in my box because they're like oh what's in there and obviously brought new stuff and it turns out that actually you know it's good to go early and everyone goes early and whatever but anyways at this point I didn't know that and I'm there trying to get to the different tables where you put stuff so like one's you know household and one's children's toys or whatever um and I'm trying to get to all the tables and put stuff out in them. And I'm literally taking stuff out of the box and people are like, going, yeah, can I have that? Can I have that? Or looking in the box, can I have that? And taking it from the box or from my hands. <laughs> and I remember putting this, um, my, I took some stuff from my mum as well. She had these two watches, which 
I don't know. They look like they're like prizes that I've won. No, asked really. You know when they kind of are like in a, um, like an amusement uh, type park is what they look like, where they're kind of in a plastic case and they've been on display and whatever. They're like a cheap watch. And um, there was two, and I put one on the table. And as soon as I put it down, someone took it, and I got the other one out. Just put it on the table. Been there for like I don't know five seconds. And a woman who was a, l- a little bit too far away in the crowd said, "Oh, could could I have the watch?" And as she was saying that someone took it and she was like oh oh too late I was like this is mental this is absolutely mental and um I actually bumped into this is all part of the where I'm going with this by the way what what I'm going to talk about what I learned yesterday uh or where I've progressed I guess um I saw um an old friend um well two old friends really they're a couple and they're um they're they're really lovely and they've got a daughter now so I met her daughter, daughter their daughter which was really lovely but um They are regular frequenters at these events. And so I was talking to her for a bit and we decided we would kind of like look at stuff and I'd get my other box out of the car. And and then I saw some other people I talked to and whatever. And, you know, probably, I don't know how long that went on for, but let's say like 20 minutes or so. And at that point, the the crowds are starting to... um, die down a little bit and honestly there's just barely anything left there's like at this point when I was like I'm going to turn up and I'm going to get all these cool things and it's going to be amazing there really was not much left at all <laughs> and I honestly I looked around and there wasn't a single thing left that I'd brought either which was quite cool but I thought like some of the things just wouldn't go um and they'd all gone which was yeah really cool and um yeah so so I didn't find quite what I wanted and I got some things, but it was quite cool. So um, I was going around with my friend and interestingly, when I bumped into her, she picked up four books and they were all the books I'd put on the bookstore, which is so funny. Um, and there was a trilogy there as well. So I got the other book for her. And um, I really liked a lot of the stuff um, when I was walking around that was left of hers. Um, so I actually took a few of her items. So that was fun as well. And um, they did actually make me think of her as well. But it was just, uh, yeah, really interesting stuff that she's handmade as well. So that felt really, really cool. So we decided we'd catch up. I said, like, I'm going to the to the cafe in shop, which, by the way, um, has amazing vegan cake, like some of the best vegan cake I've ever had. And I have had a lot. So do check it out if you're ever in shop, which long shot I know but you know it's not actually that far off the motorway if you wanted a little sort of like stop on a trip through Cumbria or if you're going to go to Horswater or walking anywhere in the area so definitely recommend it Abbey Kitchen it's called and um so we went there and that was always my plan I had like a plan in my head this is where I'm going with this so I started the day thinking right okay I don't want to be out of the house for more than five hours because usually when I go out for longer um someone's able to let my dog out but they weren't able to on this day so I thought I don't really want to leave him for more than five hours he's he's really good he's never you know dirty he's never desperate and all he really does is is sleep (laughs) um but I just didn't want to you know obviously leave him for too long and that was sort of my my limit so my start of the day was right okay I'll drive to Sharp I'll spend no more than an hour in Sharp, maybe a little bit more, um, which would be the cafe and the frugal thing. Um, and then I was going to go for a walk and um, go and bag two Wainwrights, hopefully, which, by the way, I've just written a kind of um, a post about that on Substack, which is like my free posts come blog type thing. Um, so if you want to check that out, the link is below. And I'm talking about mindful bagging, essentially, that kind of idea of really trying to be more a part of the process um, and the gratitude and the respect for actually 
being up on them fells and how beautiful that is rather than just being like tick, 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 you know, it's, it's more than a tick challenge. Anyways, go check that out. And, um, yeah, so my plan was to do that and I knew how long that walk was, you know, hopefully going to be. So I had it all in my head. But then when we decided to catch up, which was really, really lovely, I realized that this was obviously going to delay me doing the walk. And a few things happened. I felt good. I was really glad that I did this. And it was really nice to have that spontaneity of the day and really lovely to see my friends and we caught up and it was great. But there were them niggles in my mind that were kind of like the the old conditioning thoughts that I've been really working on for quite a few years now, which um, are all about control and anxiety as well, really, which was telling me, oh, you need to get going because you are not on your time schedule. And that means you're not going to be able to get that walk in, which means you're not going to get those two weighing rights, which means that you're, today's basically um, a failure. And that is a bit pointless, really. You haven't really achieved much today, have you? You haven't done as you said you would. Because that is what my anxiety has done for years and years and years. I had, like, I was single for a long time. And so when you're single, you know, and uh, I lived with friends or like with my mum briefly at my dad's, I guess, but I was able to plan my whole life really. And that control took over. And um, yeah, and I remember all the way through that, you know, if something came along, which is what life does, life is spontaneous, life is impermanent, it's changing, things happen. I would kind of freak out, you know, Um even just, I remember like the times when my auntie would pop around, she'd always just pop around um, unannounced, which is really lovely. And I really like that now, but it really triggered me at the time. And and it basically it set me off into like, um, into a stress mode, into fight or flight, because that's what was happening. So what I was doing when I was um, kind of, you know, doing the schedule, um, I have to be at this workout at this time of the day, and then I'm going to be here at this time of the day, I'm going to do all these things in the day. Um, it's okay when I did it, my anxiety was happy. I was reinforcing the anxiety because it was saying that doing all these things was safety and that structure was safety. But when something threw that off kilter, I was really anxious because I didn't know it was anxiety at the time, but because it was, um, you know, going against what the anxiety was running the show. So it was going against what the anxiety wanted me to do, which was keep that structure, keep to my plans. So I could hear them thoughts coming in while I'm sat in the cafe thinking, oh gosh, like this is an hour and a half over is what the thoughts were saying in my head. But I was like, no, I know what's important to me now. And I'd started off that day saying I really would love some meaningful connection today. And seeing my friends was really lovely. And the other people that I saw that I hadn't seen for a very long time as well, actually, that was really lovely too. And um, it was just a really beautiful, wholesome morning. And... But yeah, those anxious thoughts were there, but it's like now I have a relationship with them and I can hear them um, and sometimes I respond to them, but I in general have a much more of a connection to what I see as my actual real self, which is not anxiety. Um, and so I can listen to what that part of me wants more, which was to be spontaneous, which it lost for a very long time, listening to anxiety and trying to control everything in my life, which also coincided with um was exacerbated by an unhealthy relationship with my body um, because then that meant I wanted to control diet, what I ate, where I ate, when I ate, when I exercised and so on. And I've recorded podcasts on that, so I won't go into that too much. But yeah, I, um, yeah, I, I was ruled by anxiety. It was, um, you know, steering the car really. And now I, it's been a while, you know, but, um, I've spent a long time working on being able to take the wheel back 
from anxiety and know that it's there sat you know next to me it's my fear that's sat there but I'm I'm accepting of it being there it's okay to be there but it's not me and it's not going to take control of the wheel um which was kind of like an analogy that I got from Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert when she's talking about fear in general when we're trying to like do these kind of creative things that we want to do um and she just got to the place of that's that's what it's like it's going to be there but it's not going to take control it's allowed a seat in the car and I really resonated with that because that's been my journey um as well and so yesterday I still had them thoughts but I went out and I changed my plan as well of going for a walk I went for a shorter walk because I wouldn't have been able to get obviously both of them weighing rights in um and I really enjoyed the walk that I went on which was along one of the old corpse roads here in Cumbria which I presume are probably all over the world really but um they're quite some of them are pretty well known in Cumbria and I've got a book on them as well that my friend got me years ago which I've um pulled out and finally started to read because of going on that walk yesterday but yeah I um so oh just a quick little thing on corpse roads um they were the roads that were essentially um the track from or a track that people would go along to reach the church and they would take the dead bodies along them. So the corpse road, the coffin road is also called. Um, so carrying that dead body along to the um, the church where they would be buried. And sometimes they were really grueling routes. Like this is so steep. It's short, but steep. But the whole route's not short, but like, wow, to carry a body on that. And yeah, there'll be horses as well, but what a journey. Um but like how intimate is that connection with life and death in that moment as well? You know, there's something really, there's something that I, how do I describe it? I think we're missing something in life sometimes now by not having a lot of these, um, these kind of traditions or, you know, they were hardships. I'm sure they didn't want to do it. And um, from reading in the book, there was a lot of them um, always trying to get permission to be able to have it particularly in like um, a church that was not the mother church as such so like the smaller church within their village rather than having to traipse you know um on that particular route I think it's 10k from Mardale to Shap or what was the village of Mardale which is now um in Horswater Reservoir they flooded it for the reservoir there and um yeah so you know it probably was a hardship but I think a lot of um a lot of the way that we live now has lost connection and intimacy with with life not just life and death but lots of lots of aspects of life um and there's something about how that physical journey of of transporting a corpse uh through the fells you know on some really hard winter days i imagine um doing that and you're very exposed up there um but somehow that being reflected in the mental journey as well the maybe the spiritual journey if you believe that too that kind of um you are a part of that journey of transporting your loved one to um for their for their burial to, you know to the end um and yeah i don't know like i don't think sometimes i wonder when we lose kind of a connection to the things that we do in life we lose the intimacy and it can actually make it really harder to process because we're, we don't, we're afraid of going deep into those feelings, whereas maybe we were more confronted to them. But, you know, maybe I'm just going off on a tangent, but that's kind of how it, how that sort of feels. Because um, I'm sort of, it's been a bit of a thing of me recently to kind of crave more intimacy with life um, in terms of connecting to nature, to other people, to just being very present and mindful which is one of the reasons why I started working on this anxiety in the first place, because I realized that actually when it was running, ruling the show and um, I was essentially controlling all aspects of my life, 
yes, my body felt safe. So my nervous system felt safe, which is what the anxiety was, you know, um, linked to that fight or flight system. Um, and if it didn't, if I didn't do what the anxiety wanted me to do, it would go into that fight or flight, fight, flight, freeze, fawn and all that. Um, and yeah, it, it just didn't feel good. It, I wasn't living my life. I've described it before and this is the best way I can describe it as is that like if my life was a roller coaster, it was just a flat roller coaster. It wasn't like, it didn't have the highs and lows to it. I was avoiding all of that to keep in the lane of safety. But actually a roller coaster is way more fun when you've got fear involved and you've got the heights of like the absolute giddy excitement, that like ecstatic laughter that you can have. Um, down to the lows as well, because they are all part of the process of, um, you know, life and being intimate with life, you know. And so I missed all that. And um, about four years ago, I really started to work on it because it was when after a very long time of being single, I was in a relationship with my now ex. And, um, you know, when you've got other people in your life, you can't control every aspect of your life and their life because, you know, your other people are involved and things crop up and and so on. And I didn't want to keep feeling anxious when when those things happened. And, um, you know, there's still a lot of work that I need to do on that. But yesterday was a reminder of how far I've come because I wouldn't have, two things would have happened yesterday if I was still back then, you know, back in the day. A, I would have said no straight away to the idea of um, meeting up with friends. And this was a theme for that whole time that I was really controlled by anxiety and that I, I missed probably a lot of connection with people because the anxiety didn't allow that the control didn't allow that because sometimes it was too spontaneous and would affect my plans um and so a i would have said no or b i would have said yes and then i would have not been present at all and been completely anxious the whole time thinking like when can i go when can i go when can i go looking at the clock that was in my eye line um and just not being there or being present and that's not what i want from life now i want to have meaningful connections with people and so this has taken a long process of working on the anxiety um and essentially not fueling it and another thing I wanted to say about this actually hey see I did have stuff to talk about I knew it let's have a sip of the old tea yeah the other thing I wanted to say about this is that I realized something that I used to always think that I was or a part of me that I used to think that I was. And I'm saying this because I think a lot of people can also feel this way. And that was that I identified as somebody who was just, um, you know, I'm a busy person. Yeah, yeah, I like to do. I like to do things, you know, I'm happy when I do things. I'm happy keeping busy. Um, I'm not particularly happy sitting still and chilling and stuff. That's not that's not chilling for me. You know, that's not relaxing for me. I need to be doing I realized that actually that was again, yet again, the anxiety, you know, running the show because when I was keeping busy and this is still a theme in my life as well that I'm working on. Um, but when I'm busy and when I'm constantly doing, I am again reinforcing the anxiety because uh, that's what it wants me to do. But if I sit still, and this has been a theme for a long time, if I sit still, and even when my whole body is just going, can we chill and not do anything? And my brain's fatigued and I just want to chill. I'll sit still. And quite often, these strong, um, anxious feelings come up and they want me to do something. But now that I'm sitting with the feeling that's there, so anxiety will often try and kind of distract us from any difficult feelings there. But I would sit with a feeling that's there and two things happen. 
Firstly, I realized that the feelings that are there um, that are fueling the anxiety in the first place are very much related to, well, a couple of things, but are related to this feeling that doing, um, that being busy, that so on and so forth is making the most of my life. That is how you make the most of the life. That is how you, um, you know, live your fullest. And that achieving and that doing is the, um, that's the way forward. You know, we live in a culture and a society that's like that. So this is a, you know, a deep conditioning, I guess. Um, but also there that I'd be sat there and I'd be thinking, I'm not comfortable in my own company here. I'm not really like, I have quite low self-esteem and low self-worth in the moments. Like, what am I without the doing? Who am I without all of these different things? Um, and for a long time, I guess I used to think that all those external things that we, we do, the big challenges, the ways that we identify ourselves, you know, like I, I did this traveling or I did this bike ride or whatever, um, or I'm a runner or I'm a, you know, an artist, whatever you want to call yourself, however you identify. I realized that all of those things are not actually what they didn't bring me what I thought they would bring me. So for example, when I would, you know, sort of do the big physical challenges, I thought that um, on the traveling that I would basically find myself. But yeah, you get a bit of, um, you know, you obviously go through some amazing experiences and you're proud of yourself and you learn it builds resilience and all that kind of stuff. And you do grow, but you can't find the real thing that I was wanting from all, which was that peace and the happiness within myself. You can't find that in the external and the things that you do, the challenges that you do, the places that you go, the people that you're with. You can only find that permanently within and it's always there and um so from whatever's happened in my life I guess the anxiety was trying to protect me from sitting with those with those thoughts because I wasn't comfortable in my own company because of whatever had happened that had worn down my um my understanding of my worth and um you know who I was I, I wasn't sure I had low yeah, low belief in myself, low trust in myself. And those thoughts come up. But the more that I've sat with them and explored them, the more I can kind of hold them, you know, and not really attach too much to them, but hold them with gratitude as well. Because all of this and the really exploring the anxiety, which, you know, can be incredibly difficult sometimes, can really take over, can be really hard. I'm really grateful for it because it shows me that that's not the life I want to live anymore. I don't want to live a life where I'm run by schedules, by to-do lists, by feeling like the things that I do in life are what make my life worthwhile. I want to live by being present, by being mindful, by trusting myself and um, yeah, just being in connection with everything in the present moment of life. That's what I want to aim towards and that's where I feel real, actual, you know, real inner peace and happiness. Even if it's just a glimmer, I get it from that, not from the kind of the big challenges and the big events and um, all the things that soothe my anxiety, which then bring me to a bit of a state of calm, but you have to go through the anxiety first. <laughs> I hope all that makes sense. I feel like I've really kind of rambled there, but maybe it makes sense. But yeah, that's what I guess I wanted to share was that um, I realized that I've I've come a long way yesterday, um, but also that this journey is difficult and there will be lapses. And so if you're kind of on a similar journey on anything in life that you're not going to get it right first time. And when we're reconditioning, reconditioning, deconditioning <laughs> our minds, um, you know, that takes time and the thoughts will still be there. But it's about kind of letting them be there, not forcing them away 
um, accepting them with kindness, but knowing that they're not you and not letting them run the show. And it just takes, it takes time and practice. Like I said, this has been a journey of about four years so far. And, you know, I still pretty much feel that anxiety every day and having to remember of the other sensations that are there, um, deeper than the anxiety or when I say deeper, I mean in that more real way, deeper or bigger, I guess, than the anxiety and that I am not those feelings of anxiety, which are strong in the body, they're not me. And so, um, being able to find the, the me underneath it all, you know, and, uh, it does, I think the journey get a little bit easier, but there's, yeah, there's still difficult times. So yeah, who knows what I'm going to title this podcast day, eh? but, um, yeah, I'd love to know what you think of it. Uh, it's a bit of a ramble and, uh, as usual, I'm like about bang on half an hour. Do you know, when I go for a run, I usually run for about 20 minutes. You know, it's like a jog really, but um, yeah, it's weird. I, I kind of, well, I wonder why. I wonder why I spent a lot of my life <laughs> controlled by time. I'm very good at knowing the time. Honestly, you can ask me the time and I would have looked at the clock for a while, but I'll be pretty much bang on to the minute often as well, because I spent a long time being controlled by that and obsessed about time. So yeah, that's probably how I managed to talk for like 30 minutes every time I'll go for a run for 20 minutes. So yeah, <laughs> some benefits, I guess, to uh, um, making sure I'm not talking your ears off or yeah, not pushing myself running or um, yeah, I just kind of know the time which can be helpful. <laughs> Anyways, it's getting late and I need to upload this. So uh, let's shut up and uh, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed and would love to hear from you as well. Yeah, do check out my subtech if you like. I'm making some changes there, so it'd be really good to have you along the way as I as I make some well, they're exciting changes. I'm just trying to work them out really at the moment. And same for the podcast. It's more about like um the direction I want it to go in and what I want to talk about and stuff like that. So so yeah, any feedback is very much appreciated. Thank you everybody for listening. Bye. Just before you go, I wanted to say another big thank you for listening. And if you would be able to support the podcast, I would really ask this favor of being able to share the episode or the podcast or to rate on Spotify or even review on Apple, as these are great ways to get my podcast out there to more people. I'm not on social media anymore sharing my podcast. So your support is really, really vital. Thank you so, so much. And there are other links below if you want to explore my Substack letter or even to buy me a tea. Thank you, everyone. Bye.